Hello and welcome to the Darling Farm and Homestead podcast, the podcast I record while on my commute from my day job to my little homestead, my little piece of dirt. Today is April 12th, 2022. Uh, What have we been up to on the acreage this past weekend? Uh, Well, I dug and planted about 50 potato plants. Um, These are from potatoes that I saved from last year. I've been saving them for a number of years. I know there's a lot of places that say that maybe that's not the best idea. You can accumulate disease. that has not been my experience so far. And I have to say, you know, my grandparents saved their potatoes probably most of their whole lives and kept replanting them. So, you know, if and when I see disease happen, that's when we'll figure out where to go next. But right now I'm not seeing any of those issues. So we'll continue to do what we're doing. Um, I did have an order that arrived from Hidden Springs Nursery um, that included a medlar tree. Um, I planted one last year that I had got from a different supplier and it was a it was a decent size. Um, unfortunately it just arrived at a bad time and I wasn't able to plant that bare root tree right away and so when I did plant it then I think it suffered um, not getting enough water and that kind of thing so it unfortunately didn't make it through the summer. Um, so looking to plant another one this year. I don't even know why I want a medlar tree. Um, it's, you know, one of those little romantic notions, I think, that I um, heard about on some of my UK podcasts I listen to. Um, I've read about in, you know, old fiction from from Europe and that kind of thing. And so it's a fruit that I've never had the opportunity to taste And there's really no other way for me to taste that other than to grow my own. So here we go. I planted one. And uh, Hidden Springs Nursery had actually contacted me and said that more than likely they would be sold out of those by the time they got to my order. Um, So in the meantime, I had done a ton of searching. Couldn't find one. Couldn't find one. Couldn't find one. So what I ended up doing was ordering some Medlar Scions from another company. And then I grafted them onto some pear rootstock that I ordered and so I have a couple of trees in my greenhouse that have been potted up that I'm waiting to see if those scions are going to take and so now that Hidden Springs was able to ship me a medlar that's probably going to be the case that the other two scions will take and suddenly now I'll have three medlar trees that I have to find a place for in my landscape but that's how that goes. Um, Also from Hidden Springs, I had ordered a June berry or a service berry, um, a gumi, and three um, rose bushes that will produce large rose hips. Um, My oldest daughter, my 16-year-old and I, uh, about January, were out just kind of wandering, hiking down by our creek, and it it was frozen over, of course, in January, so we were kind of skating on that ice and stuff. And we found a bunch of the wild roses that still had itty bitty teeny tiny rose hips hanging on them and we were nibbling on those. So it'll be nice to get these and uh, have some larger fruits that we can work with and hopefully um, dry and save for tea. That's one of my oldest daughter's things that she enjoys is concocting her own herbal teas and uh, mixing it you know, with honey from our bees and making a nice treat like that. Um, so then 
after I finally got all of that digging done on Saturday, on either late Saturday evening or early Sunday morning, I noticed an email in my inbox with a tracking order number um, from Jung Nursery, and I went, I didn't order anything from them. And so I click on the tracking number and start to look. And yep, sure enough, I do remember now that I did order a few hundred dollars worth of trees from Jung Nursery and that they were going to arrive on Monday. So yesterday I took an hour off early from work and got home, got those trees unboxed and in the ground. And so yesterday I planted two chestnut trees and I've been trying to grow chestnuts for a couple years. I don't know if it's just the bare root trees are hard to keep watered where I keep trying to plant them or if they're really tricky to grow. I don't know, but I'm going to keep trying until I get some to take. Um, I also, in that order, got two sea berries. So sea berries are one of those things that you know, you do a deep dive and start to look at all the berries and all the things. And I ran across sea berries and supposedly they're a great uh, source of vitamin C, uh, that kind of thing. And so they just really intrigued me. And again, they're a thing that I'm never going to get to taste unless I grow it myself. So the hunt was on and I found a couple of those um, with Jung and, and added those to my cart. And they are um, actually a plant that um, is male or female so you have to make sure that you get one of each of course to produce some berries so I did order just one of each because they were a little bit on the more expensive side for a berry plant um, so hopefully those both will thrive and produce some berries in a couple years for me uh, I also ordered a high bush cranberry which is actually not um, a true cranberry, it's actually a viburnum that produces fruit that is very similar in taste, taste and texture to, to a cranberry. Uh, I was looking at ordering some cranberry um, bushes for our landscape and discovered that they really don't do well in our type of soil. So I went ahead and uh, did some more research and found that that uh, uh, that high berry, high bush cranberry does exist and so we went ahead and ordered one of those. Um, just for fun, I got a red fleshed apple. I mean, I think it would just be cool to have an apple where the inside's all red. Um, I tried to find the best tasting one, tried to read a lot of reviews, um, so landed on this one from Jung. And then the whole reason that I had started an order with this company in the beginning was that my three-year-old and I decided that we needed more cherry trees. So I have one small cherry tree that I planted uh, three or four years ago, and it's, it's starting now to produce. Um, we had one on the property when we first moved in, and it produced a ton of cherries, and then it just up and died the next year. And it was a, it was a pretty good-sized tree. Um, and that was, you know, 10 years ago or so. And in the meantime, I had gotten one for my birthday and I planted that. And I think what happened was I think it, the graft died. And so I think what's left now is just the rootstock. And it's never flowered, never produced anything. And I've had it a number of years, at least, I don't know, seven or eight years. 
And so this year I'm gonna cut the thing off and we're gonna try to do um, some cleft grafting with it. And that, so that'll be a new adventure for me. I've never done that before. And I figure if they don't take, they don't take. The tree's not doing anything anyway. So we're gonna go ahead and experiment and see what happens. Um, so we decided we needed more cherries. Oh, and I do have a number of like the bush cherries, the Nanking um, bush cherries and some other varieties of those in my landscape, probably around 10 or so. And they just started blooming yesterday. Uh, hopefully we'll get a few more cherries than we did last year. Last year was their first year to produce. Uh, but still, my son and I thought we needed some more cherry trees. So I ended up ordering this um, three pack combo from Jung that was like sweet and tart varieties. Um, so one of them was labeled like something juice cherry and then one was a pie cherry and then one is a sweet cherry. Now I've never really known anyone in our zone five area of uh, Nebraska that grows um, sweet cherries. I don't think it's impossible, but what I've read is that kind of in our area, they're prone to cracking and that kind of thing. Um, so they're not really a commercially viable fruit. However, you know, I'm always up for a good experiment and trying it out. So hopefully, you know, in the coming years, we'll get a few fruits off of those, um, those cherry trees. I also continued to sow some more seeds in my little greenhouse. I started my cucumbers and zucchinis and summer squash, winter squash, pumpkins and melons. And then I realized that I probably need a few more melons. So I'm probably gonna be putting in an order this week uh, looking for some of the maybe smaller, less vining uh, melons. It seems like if they get too big that they get invaded by bugs and they just kind of tunnel in and then um, they get soft spots and then we don't get to actually eat any of the melons. So I'm hoping to get some smaller varieties going that um, we can trellis better than the larger varieties. That's at least a goal anyway. Um, then Sunday, my uh, high school daughter was in her school musical and so we went to that production and then afterwards I had some time to kill waiting for her to strike the set and all of those things and so my two of my other daughters uh, we went to the local feed store and thought well we'll just pick up some rabbit pellets and um, some more chicken feed that kind of thing and of course we walked past the stock tanks of baby chicks and right now in Nebraska, due to the avian influenza, the state has shut down all bird sales. So typically we would go visit like the exotic auctions and we would get some, get some new and interesting birds there and bring those home. And unfortunately that's not happening this year. So when I was at the feed store and I saw that they had some assorted Polish and some salmon faverolles, we went ahead and bought 10 more chicks. Now, about a month ago, I ordered um, 15 chicks in the mail and went in with my little brother and he ordered some in the mail and we put our orders together. But I had 15 and they sent me 19 of my birds. And so we have 19 
one month old chicks also already and so when I came home with 10 more I think my husband kind of gave me the side eye and said do we need more chickens but here's the thing see my daughter really really wanted some more Polish we had a bunch of Polish and they were doing great and we've had them for a number of years and then over this winter we had a mink come in and took out almost every single one um, he took out at least 20 birds out of our coop um, we still haven't caught the thing yet uh, we've had a game camera set up and we've seen him so we know for sure it was a mink set some traps which unfortunately all it did was catch our cats and we have been unable to catch this thing and now haven't seen it for a while so I don't know if this mink still exists doesn't exist so sadly my my chickens and my turkeys have been cooped up for weeks and weeks um, and I'm ready to let them back out but I know that's about the time the mink will show up but anyhow back to the original story this is why we have the salmon favorals and the um, Polish. My daughter wanted the assorted Polish and she also wanted these salmon favorals and when I put in our chick order and it arrived in the mail I opened it up with a note that said sorry we didn't have enough hatch to fulfill your order so they had cut those two breeds from our order so when I saw them available locally I snapped them up because it's pretty unusual for our feed store to have those kind of unusual breeds um, you know they'll they'll have the um, the broilers at some point they'll get those in a number of different times they'll have your Rhode Island Reds probably your Buff Orpingtons um, maybe they'll get in some Silkies or some mixed uh, assorted Bantams that kind of thing but very rarely do they have uh, these kind of what I consider more specialty birds um, so I had to buy them I had to um, what else did we do we are really having some pretty strange weather here in the Midwest um, just Thursday afternoon I was sitting at my work window just looking out the window and sleet and snow were just falling and falling of course it didn't really accumulate into anything but we had some some slick roads and and ice and sleet and snow and all of that wintry junk and it was just a terrible gray Thursday and Friday was on the cool side and you know the weekend was pretty decent in the 60s and now here we are on Tuesday and as I'm driving right now my car says 90 degrees it is just insane the weather that we're having and I wish I could say you know oh this is so strange for us but we we typically get this up and down spike this time of year it just seems a little bit more intense maybe than usual but you know I've been listening to a lot of other podcasters and they've been having some pretty strange weather too so I don't know what all of that means um, going forward what our later spring and summer are gonna look like if those are any indicators at all it's gonna be pretty wild I just I hope that we get some moisture and tonight they're telling us you know severe storms and tornadoes my daughter's track meets already been canceled as of this afternoon so you know it might be kind of wild weather tonight but I'm hopeful I can get 
get home before all of those storms occur and maybe get a few more things done. Due to this wild and extreme weather, I still have not put out my pea plants and my fava or broad bean plants that are still hanging out in my basement. I don't know why I haven't moved them out to the greenhouse yet, but they need to go somewhere else. They are getting huge. I've been hesitant to plant them outside because we've been having, you know, 40 mile an hour winds um, pretty consistently for over a week now. And so I just have not stuck them out because I feel like they're just going to get broken right off. But I should go ahead and get some peas seeds planted if I can before this rain that's supposed to be coming later today happens. So we'll see how that goes. So that's kind of the update on what we did over the weekend with one exception. And this was the really strange kind of exception, I guess, to my weekend. I don't know what comes over me sometimes, but I get into these deep dives and I start looking at things and I start researching things and then I start clicking on things and buying things and ordering things to do the things. I don't know if anybody else does that or if that's just me. But one of these things I've been deep diving on for a couple months now. But this thing is a little odd. I've been reading about people raising mealworms. And it's one of those things, kind of like a car accident, you can't help but watch and think about them. They kind of gross me out on some like base level. But... I, bugs in general don't really gross me out, but once you see a pile of these mealworms, it's a little off-putting. Um, if you are ever <laughs> super bored, just go on YouTube and look at um, mealworm eating videos, and you can just watch them in time-lapse devour whole fruits, and it's kind of disgustingly amazing, I guess. Uh, my daughter number four who is eight, she and I sat and watched YouTube videos over the weekend for an embarrassingly long amount of time of watching mealworms um, eat different items. It's amazing. So I decided that mealworms would be excellent, excellent um, feed for my quail, for our Caternix quail that we have. Um, they'd be a good supplement for them. What I have found raising these quail is that they do need a significant amount of protein in their diet in order to produce eggs. Um, you know, you, they will eat corn and they will uh, subsist and survive on corn, but they won't produce eggs very well. So uh, we've been feeding them layer feed and Right now, actually, they're eating non-medicated chick feed, uh, basically just feeding them like chickens. And that gets a little bit expensive because no matter what I do to modify their feeders, and I've researched online and I've done a lot of experimentation, no matter what I do, it seems like they can waste a lot of feed. They're just really good at it. So I came upon this idea of feeding the quail mealworms because they are very high in protein and I think the quail will really enjoy them. So looking at mealworms in your feed stores, the like dried ones in a bag are, are pretty pricey and would add up pretty quickly to a higher cost than 
um, a bag of chicken feed would be. So it only seems to make sense that if you're going to feed your um, birds mealworms that you might as well be raising them yourself. So I clicked on Fluker Farms and ordered 1,000 mealworms for about $14 or $15 shipped to my door. And they ship differently depending on the weather that's occurring both in their location, which I believe is Louisiana, and everywhere in transit along the way to your home. So with our nighttime lows being still below freezing, I didn't know whether or not these mealworms would ship right away or if they would be hauled at my post office. I was kind of unsure. So I was pretty surprised when I got the notification on Saturday that, hey, your mealworms have been delivered. And I went, huh. So we walked down the um, driveway out to the mailbox. And yep, lo and behold, inside the mailbox is this can of mealworms. And let me tell you, it's a lot smaller than I anticipated. You know, a thousand worms seemed like a lot. And this canister was um, slightly larger than a can of pop, maybe like two soup cans stuck together, roughly that size. Um, and I, I just, I truly had no idea what, what mealworm shipping looked like. Um, so we got those thousand mealworms and I go to the grocery store every Friday just to pick up, you know, fresh fruit and things that we might need. And I specifically went to one of our local grocery stores that has the bulk bins that you can um, scoop product out of. And they used to carry bran in bulk, which is what they, a lot of websites recommend as a substrate or a bedding for mealworms. And I looked in every bulk bin and that is apparently something they no longer carry. So I went to like the grain section and I did find bran, but not at a price I was willing to pay to feed to worms. So I thought, well, they're not probably gonna be coming anytime soon in the next couple days, because um, it had only been two days since I ordered them on Friday. And so I thought, well, no big rush, we'll find something. And I stopped at my local TSC and looked there for something, maybe um, some kind of wheat, that might be like for a horse feed or something. And I couldn't find anything that, that was any better than just doing chicken feed. So I thought, well, I'm not gonna worry about it. I'll keep looking, whatever, whatever. So Saturday comes and these mealworms are in my mailbox and I gotta use something. So I have lately been buying layer pellets for my chickens and I didn't think those would probably work very well as a substrate. So I do buy non-medicated crumbles for my um, baby chicks. I will buy medicated for my turkey poults when they hatch, but that's a whole other episode. Um, so I went ahead and just scooped up a couple scoops of that, put it in this little plastic container that we had laying around with no lid or anything, and then was horrified as they started climbing up the sides and people said, no, no, they can't climb up the side of plastic. Well, let me tell you, they did, but as I watched, they could only climb up maybe, I don't know, maybe an inch, and then they would fall back down in. So, horrifying moment over. And my, my eight-year-old daughter 
has decided this is her project. So we're going to make it a 4-H project. I'm going to enroll her in entomology and we will have her do a project in mealworms and she has just really taken them on as her thing. She's a little disgusted, doesn't really want to hold them in her hand, but she will, um, she emptied the can of mealworms into that substrate and we sliced up a potato from our um, basement stores. Some of them are starting to sprout now, so it's a great use for potatoes that probably we're not gonna eat at this point. Um, so I can use them as feed for these mealworms. And she did put the potatoes in there and watched as they kind of grabbed onto it and, and kind of giggled and had a good time with that. And we took some pictures to um, use as part of her 4-H project, and that was pretty cool. I would say um, I put those potatoes in on Saturday, just one potato sliced up, and it, it was I, a small to medium-sized potato, and I would say it's about 60% gone as of Monday night, so from Saturday to Monday, they ate at least half of it. We see tons of like their exoskeletons that they've shed um, sitting on the top. Of the bin hopefully in the coming weeks we will see some pupa um, my understanding is that these pupa will kind of be laying on the top and you can scoop them out with a spoon so we'll find another container of some kind and and we'll put the pupa in there so that they can hatch into the beetles and that way you can keep the beetles separate from the um, larva and they won't um, eat eat the larva or the pupa and we'll try to separate them all out uh, from what I have read that these darkling beetles, which the mealworms become, and the mealworms themselves naturally feed on decaying leaves and that they'll frequently eat grains and seeds and they'll even sometimes eat um, fecal material, which is kind of up for debate. I've read some websites that say they do eat feces, some that say, no, you can't really do that. Um, well, we're going to see. So my plan, while they're currently in chicken feed, I really want to explore some different substrates that might actually be free, things that we can um, gather around from our homestead. So if they naturally eat decaying leaves, I'm thinking those are pretty easy to find and we can definitely get some of those. And then I want to try using that spilled grain that my quail really waste and scooping that out and putting it into their uh, mealworm larva bucket. And that will, of course, naturally include some of the quail's um, poop in it because it's all gonna be on that bottom tray. So I'm not gonna explicitly like try to feed them the quail fecal material, but it's gonna be in there just from scooping, it, scooping up the spilled grain from underneath their their um, tray so it's going to be in there um, I think the main problem that people have had with including that in the substrate for mealworms is that it could increase the moisture level too high uh, I think there was one person that I came across one um, kind of experiment where the guy was using um, rabbit poop and I think rabbit poop is a lot um, wetter material unless it's totally dried out than 
the quail manure will be. So maybe I'll need to spread it out and let it dry a little bit. Um, we'll just have to see if it's too wet. But I think we will try to get this colony up and running and then we'll kind of do some splits and just see what might work for us and just kind of go from there. Um, I really am hopeful that we can get a colony going and like I said, use it to feed our birds, definitely the quail, and you know, maybe even some for the chickens, although we have a lot of chickens now, so that would require a lot of mealworms, and I don't know if I'm ready to be that intense with it. We will see. So, um, and kind of closing today, I'm just wondering, has anybody out there raised mealworms? Do you have any tips or any advice for me as we're going forward? Um, have you tried any alternative beddings or substrates for them? And just, is it worth it? Is it worth my time and energy and cost of substrate to um, manage these mealworms? Let me know what you think. You can um, leave me an email at darlingfarmandhomestead at gmail.com. Um, that's the best way to reach me. You could also leave a comment on this podcast as well. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.